Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. We are completing the first week of our annual 21-day fast. And last week, I started this series, Rut, Routine, and Revival, which is basically what I want this to be, is a 21 days to a renewed you. And so if you are participating in any way, and if you haven't been and you want to jump in, it's a good time. You just jump in at any time. But last week, we looked at the times in life when we get comfortable in the ruts. And I told you that the ruts of life can keep us from reaching our promise. We looked at Deuteronomy chapter 1, where the children of Israel were stuck in a rut. After 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, they had forgotten their promise. They had forgotten where they were heading. And they had become satisfied in that rut around Mount Horeb. They were satisfied in just going around a mountain rather than taking the promised land. But God spoke to them. As we read last week, and these are the words that he said. He said, you have stayed around this mountain long enough. And man, that was a word for some of you last week. You have stayed around that mountain in your life. You've stayed around it long enough. It's time to get out of that rut. And I told you that developing the proper spiritual disciplines in your life can help you get out of the ruts that you are in. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus speaks of those three spiritual disciplines that have already been mentioned today that we can practice in our lives when you pray, when you give, when you fast. Notice Jesus did not say if you pray, if you give, if you fast. He said when. In other words, this is a part of a Christian's life. At some point in time, you are going to be disciplined enough to pray, to give, and to fast. Not if, but when. Now, I need you to be honest with me today. How many of you have already broken your New Year's resolution by a show of hands? Set a New Year's resolution and you've already broken it. You are so much more, okay, thank you. There's only like two hands. You're so much more disciplined than the first service. They're a bunch of losers. I'm I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Let's be honest. Some of you, you, you you didn't verbalize it. You didn't tell anybody, but you broke it. You broke it. You set this little goal in your mind, you broke it. You see what I did this year? Is I set a New Year's resolution that is attainable for me. I decided I wasn't going to put something out there that I cannot accomplish. And so I decided that this year I want to gain weight. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to gain weight this year. And I'm, I'm already on track, man, I'm telling you. How do you gain weight in a fast? I don't understand. But, you know, further, I figure that if I don't lose weight, at least I will still feel accomplished because I've fulfilled my New Year's resolution. About 12 years ago... I decided about a month and a half before the new year what my new year's resolution was going to to be. I I figured out that I wanted to start running. I didn't really have a distance in mind, but I just, I knew I wanted to start running. That's something I wanted to do. I'd never wanted to run in my life, but that's what I wanted to do. And so I, I, in an effort to aid my attempt to go running and to start running, I decided not to wait for the new year to start. I decided that I was going to go ahead and start running in November to get a head start on this thing so that when the new year rolled around, I'm already doing this thing and I'm already on pace and, 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 and you know, in a routine. So about mid-November, I started running and the, the first evening, 
And that's what I would do. I'd run three evenings a week, and so I would spread it out. And I would run before dinner, and so I would get home from the office, and, and I would start running. And the first day, I'll never forget it, the first day, I start running down the sidewalk there in front of our house in the subdivision we were living in in Tampa, and I start running down the sidewalk. And, man, you know, those first 15, 20 steps, they feel good. Good. You know, you feel the oxygen flowing in your blood. You know, you feel this thing happening. And so I'm, but after about that 21st step, I'm like, Rocky, you're an idiot. You're just a moron. Why are you killing yourself right now? My heart feels like it's about to pound out of my chest. All of a sudden, it just hit me. And I didn't even make it to the end of my street. I looked down the street and I see the stop sign. It says stop. So I did. I just stopped. I did. I couldn't even make it to the stop sign. And so I just started walking. I walked, I walked to the stop sign. When I made it to the stop sign, I started running again. Then I ran out of breath and I started walking again. I think I walked more on that one mile lap. I had already clocked it ahead of time so I knew exactly what was one mile. And so I, I, it was, went through our subdivision around a lake. And if you looked out of our back glass, you could look across the lake and you could see me running in between houses on the other side. And so I knew that, and I thought, Mandy may be looking out the kitchen window. <laughs> and so when I would go in between houses, you know, for her, I, I'd start. <laughs> I, and then I'd be like, <gasps> yeah, that's how I did it. I mean, honestly, that's, that's it's a true story. I, I actually did that. I actually did that. After about three weeks of running, getting into the routine of running, I noticed that my distance was getting farther and farther. I could run past the stop sign before I had to stop. I could reach that next house. About a month and a half into it, I'm running a mile and a half without stopping. I've never ran a mile and a half without stopping. It was amazing. The routine that I had set, it was working and my endurance was picking up and I could run. And then all of a sudden, Christmas came around. And for Christmas, we would pack up our kids and, and Caleb and Kendall were about five, six years old during this time. And we would pack them up and we came up to North Florida and, and we would visit my parents and we would visit Mandy's parents, and, and you know what happens. You're sitting around in the living room. You know, everybody just ate, and so you just feel, you know, just bleh, you know. You don't feel like getting outside and running. Plus, I didn't want to be rude. That's rude, you know. I'm going to go outside and run for a little while. See you guys later. No, you got to visit with family. You don't want to do that. And so I just didn't. For like a week, I just didn't run. I had every intention of starting back running whenever we, we, we got back from our Christmas break. But, but that ended, and, and I got busy with the new year, and I never started running again. I've never ran since then. I haven't. I mean, I've ran playing basketball and stuff like that. But just to get out and just run for no reason not being chased by anybody or not a ball in your hand. I haven't done it. Haven't, I'm ashamed to tell you that. I, I broke that New Year's resolution and really I never even started it. It was the old year and I never even started it in the new year. It was broken before I even began it. I broke the routine. You know, routine is a great thing. I want you to think about this, church. Routine is a wonderful thing. We need routine in our lives. And here's what I've come to realize. We are all creatures of routine. From the moment that you wake up 
in the morning until you go to bed at night, there are certain routines that repeat every day. I mean, it's from the moment that I wake up because I always wake up on the same side of the bed. And so when I step out of that bed, it's always going to be the same foot that hits the floor. For, that's routine. That's part of it. Uh, other routines that you have in your life, you brush your teeth in your getting ready routine that you have every morning. You brush your teeth at the same point during that routine most days. You don't even think about it. But you know, either before you get in the shower or after you get out of the shower. And some of you, part of your routine is you don't even brush your teeth. <laughs> but that's your routine. You fix your hair at the same point of your routine. Some of you get to skip that process, and that's all right. But you get to fix your hair at the same point in time every, every morning. And, and when you put your pants on, I guarantee you, you put the same leg in first every time you put your pants on. I do. I'm a left legger. I am. I start with the left leg. When I put my pants on, left leg goes in first. I tried this. Tried it the other day. Try reversing that, intentionally going with the opposite leg. I about fell over. <laughs> I did. I about fell over. I, I, I tried my best to put my right leg in first. I had to concentrate. Uh, you, you don't realize, you don't even have to think about putting your pants on sometimes until you get to right here and you suck that gut in and you're trying to get. But otherwise, just pulling them up, you don't even have to think about it unless you go with the opposite leg. If you go with the leg that you don't normally use, it is awkward. It doesn't feel right because it's part of your routine of getting ready is that you always put the first leg or the same leg in first. Every evening before I go to bed, I do the same routine. I get up from my chair, get up from the couch, and I go and I make sure that the front door and the back door, that they're locked, deadbolts locked. In order to protect my family, I make sure that the doors are locked. It's part of my routine. You see, what some of you need to realize today is that there's a difference between routine and rut. Last week we talked about the ruts of life. There's a big difference between routine and rut. You see, you'll get stuck in a rut. You will. You will get stuck in a rut. A rut will cause you not to reach your promise or your destination. A routine, it keeps you moving even when you don't feel like moving. A routine keeps you going. Sure, there are days I don't feel like brushing my teeth. But because I have to have a face-to-face -face conversation with somebody, the routine makes sure that I have fresh breath until about 9 o'clock when I have my first cup of coffee. Then I have coffee breath. But, but I have a routine for that. It keeps me going, keeps me doing some of the mundane because routine, though it's mundane at times, it's necessary for our success. You must have routine in your life. And in a world of busyness and chaos, routine, routine is the stitching that holds our lives together. And without routine, we would unravel at the seams. Routine is necessary for us. And today, I want us to look at a man's life that he had routines in place. And these routines sustained him. And his name is Daniel. And so I want you to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the book of Daniel. As you're turning there, I will remind you that Daniel and his three friends, his three Hebrew friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 
They were taken captive by the, by the Babylonians and, and they were forced to leave their homeland. When they invaded Jerusalem, they forced them to leave. And, and, and along with, with other young men from that area, the, the other Hebrews that were handpicked because of their appearance and their IQ, their intelligence, they were handpicked. And the goal was to bring these young men who were handsome and who, who were smart. The goal was to bring them back to Babylon and, and, and to brainwash them to serve in the Babylonian empire. The problem was that the customs and traditions of the Babylonians, it did not line up with Daniel's Jewish faith. And one thing that you're going to realize about Daniel is that Daniel was strong in his spiritual disciplines. The things that brought him closer to God and even made him more in the image of his God. Those are the things that he was strong in, spiritual disciplines. And so the ways of the Babylonians didn't line up with him. And, and in the first chapter of Daniel, we read of where these young men, they were assigned to eat the king's food and drink the king's wine. It was good stuff. It was the king's choice meat and the king's choice wine. But, but the problem was this, is that it was not kosher to his faith. He couldn't have that. According to the law of the Hebrews, he could not eat that. And so Daniel convinced the leaders. He said, let me and my three Hebrew friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he said, let us only eat fruits and vegetables and drink water for 10 days. Just 10 days. Just, just, give us, just let us test that. And the Bible says that at the end of 10 days, that their countenance was better than all of the other men that were being forced to eat the king's choice meat. And forced is, is being used very loosely there because they probably enjoyed it. It would have been fun to eat the king's choice meat and to drink the, the king's choice wine. But because they chose not to do that and to stay true to their spiritual disciplines, the Bible says that he blessed them and they looked better and they were smarter and God blessed them with skill and with knowledge and they were promoted within that Babylonian kingdom. And so we're going to read in Daniel chapter 6 in quite a few verses today, but I want you to grab hold of this and, and see what happens after they're promoted. Daniel chapter 6, starting at verse 1. It pleased Darius, that's the king, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. And over them, three high officials of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps would give account so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. 
Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. In the culture of that region, the people believe that their kings, that their royal leaders were infallible. Therefore, they believe that these men could not make mistakes. That it was literally impossible for them to make a mistake. But King Darius liked Daniel. Because Daniel was a hard worker. Daniel did his job and he was good at his job. That's why he was being promoted. And that's why King Darius wanted to put him over everybody else. He wanted to bring him into that position. And and others became jealous about that But the problem comes because the king could not change what he had written into law because that would be admitting that he had made a mistake, that he was capable of being fallible. There was no other choice for him but to throw Daniel into the lion's den. Today I want to give you three routines in Daniel's life that every Christian needs. I'm not saying we all have them. I'm not even saying I've perfected them in my own life. But today I want to give you three routines that every Christian needs in their lives. The first one is this. Daniel had routine in his posture. Verse 3 says that an excellent spirit was in him. Think about that. An excellent spirit was was inside of Daniel. Daniel simply had a good attitude about life. You ever met anybody that had a bad attitude about life? Don't point at them. You've, you've met these people. I mean, they, they are just sour. You get around these people and they have the ability just to make your day go bad. You get around these people and they never seem happy with life. There's never any joy, and we know that the joy of the Lord is our strength. But, man, I'm telling you, I've met many people that profess to be Christians, and they don't have the joy of the Lord operating in their lives. Daniel had an excellent spirit inside of him. Though others were out to destroy him, he still kept a positive outlook on life. 
Somebody once said, said your attitude determines your altitude. Man, how true is that? The attitude that you have in life, it will determine how high you go in life. This has never been more true in someone's life than it was in Daniel's life because Daniel could face the obstacles of life with a smile. He did not allow others and their opinions to ruin his day. He knew how to keep pushing on and pushing on and, and, and to find joy in the moment. One of the greatest characteristics of godliness in people's lives is, is when they can face life's trials and they still remain steadfast and unchanged. That is a wonderful characteristic in a child of God. That even though the storms begin to blow, they still have faith in their God. They still know that God is able to bring them out and they don't lose hope just because the enemy is attacking their lives. Psalm 46 verses 1 through 3 says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. In other words, what the psalmist was saying is that no matter what the world throws at me, I will still believe that I can find strength and refuge in my God. That no matter what happens in life, I know my God is still able to bring peace to my trouble. To find me in the middle of my circumstance and bring me through it. If you want to soar emotionally, you must learn to have routine in your posture. Second routine that Daniel had in his life is he had a routine in his purity. This will mess some of you up, but, but just stay tuned. Just, just, just stay with me here for just for a few moments. Some of the highest ranking officials were out to ruin Daniel and his reputation. But they could not find one accusation to lay against him. Not one. There was no dirt on Daniel's life. His record was spotless. Daniel chapter 6 verse 4 says they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. This is the guy that you want running for president. If your party's looking for a candidate, this is the man because they can't find anything on the guy. It was so clean. His life was so clean that the only way that they could get anything on him was to create a law that went against his beliefs. Let's find out what this guy believes because we know he has spiritual disciplines in his life that he will not break. And when we find out what really matters to him, we'll, we'll put a law in effect. We'll have the king sign a law that, that nobody should worship any other God for 30 days except the king. That's the only person they can worship. And then we're going to go spy on the guy and we know he's going to break this law. Man, let me tell you, when it comes to spiritual discipline, I wish that I was that guy. I wish that I was that guy that they said, you know what, if we want to find a, a trap to put him in, we know that he's going to practice this. This is what we have to get him on. If I'm going to be guilty of anything, let me be guilty of a spiritual discipline in my life. I know what you're thinking. Pastor, I can't, I can't develop this routine for my life. Because I've already messed up. I see it on your faces. I know what you're thinking. One of the beauties of Daniel's life is that God allowed him 
to be taken captive out of Judah, out of his homeland, and put in a completely new environment where nobody knew his past. If Daniel was a kid at some point in time, which he was, I know he did something wrong. Kids are from the devil. <laughs> but nobody there knew his history. He was in an environment where they couldn't find any dirt on him at all. Some of you need to develop what my dad put into strategy in his life. When my dad married my mom, he was not a Christian. Shortly after, he gave his heart to Christ. Conversation started one day, and my dad looked at my mom, and he said, Becky, here's the deal. He said, you can ask me about anything you want to ask me about my past after the blood of Jesus was applied. But anything before the blood, that's between me and God. Some of you need to adopt that for your life. You need to start living that way. That before the moment of salvation in your life, all of that stuff is in the past. It is forgiven. You are separated as far as the east is from the west from it. It does not define you anymore. You are not who the devil says that you once were. That is not the plans that God has for you. Hebrews 10 and 17 says, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. That's a promise for you. That's a promise for me today is that he's not going to remember my sins and my lawless deeds no more. So stop allowing the enemy to remind you of your failures and start living in the freedom of your future. And the third routine that he had in his life that we need, this is so important, don't miss it, is he had routine in his performance. He had routine in his performance. Every day, Daniel did the same thing. Rain or shine, work or day off. Every day, Daniel did the same thing. He went home, he opened the windows towards Jerusalem his homeland. He opened those windows. He got down on his knees and he started praying and giving thanks to God. And the Bible says that he did this three times a day, every day. That's spiritual discipline for you. That's a routine. And trust me, I know it gets boring. I know it gets old. I know that the moment that you start trying to apply a spiritual discipline like that in your life, there are things that keep demanding your attention and your time. If you're at home and you're trying to, to say, okay, I, I'm going to pray right now, and immediately when you start praying, all, what, what happens is you start thinking about all the laundry that needs to be washed. And you start thinking about the yard that needs to be mowed. And you start thinking about the car that needs to be washed. When you start trying to practice spiritual disciplines for your life, you'll start thinking about all the projects that are on your laptop computer that you brought home from work that you did not get finished, and therefore you want to finish them because it's demanding your attention. And spiritual discipline says, no, there are certain things that are set in stone for me. I'm not going to change it no matter how mundane it may feel at times. I'm still going to do these things because these things are going to strengthen me. It's going to draw me closer to my God. And at the appointed time when I need it the most, it's going to shine. It's going to come out of my life. When Daniel heard about this decree. He went home and did the same thing that he did every day. 
You see, for a Jew that was living in Babylon, it was custom for them to open their windows and kneel down facing their homeland and to pray. For a good Jew, they did it three times a day. Because basically it was saying, God, I believe in your promise that one day you're going to return us back to that land. One day we're going to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. One day we are going to be back in our promise, God. And so I trust you. And though my current circumstances may not support this prayer, I believe, God, that you're going to come through for me. So every day when they hit their knees in prayer facing Jerusalem, that's what it was screaming to the heavens. So Daniel hears about this decree and he comes home and he does the same thing that he does every day. He opens the windows toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees and he began praying and giving thanks to God because Daniel was a lot like David. And when David wrote in Psalm 55 and 17 that says every, every evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress and he hears my voice because they believed it. They knew that this was something that they needed for their lives. You know what's impressive to me? It's impressive to me that Daniel didn't change his routine when the pressure was on. Because sometimes that's what I do. Sometimes I'll change my routine when the pressure's on. I know you want your pastor to be this great man of faith. You want me to be Daniel, don't you? But there's moments when the pressure is on I've had some deadlines. Deadlines the past two weeks. So I woke up Friday morning and realized I haven't been to our property out there to pray for the past two weeks, last two Thursdays, and I've asked everybody in the church to do that. That's a spiritual discipline, to get up and go out there to the property and pray. At some point during the day, at our new property, it's a spiritual discipline. Your pastor woke up Friday morning and realized I haven't been out there in two weeks because of deadlines and the pressure that, that things that I need to get done. I've got to become disciplined there. I've got to say that this has to happen no matter what the circumstances are. That when the pressure is on, I don't change my routine. Early on in my ministry, someone gave me a copy of Oswald Chambers' devotional book, My Utmost for His Highest. Maybe some of you have that book or you've, you've read that book before. Um, it's, it's wonderful. It's a great devotional book, what I read of it, because I'm going to be honest with you and tell you I never finished it. Never finished it. And, and the reason I didn't finish is because I started noticing that on the days that I would read from this devotional, that my day would fall apart. It's not supposed to work like that, is it? You want me to get up and tell you on the days that you read your devotional, everything's going to go perfect and fine. The days that I would read from Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his highest, the days that I would read from that, I would have a horrible day. I would be in conflict with a coworker, or I would go home from work, and, and Mandy and I, we would argue. We'd fight like cats and dogs. Horrible, horrible. And the days that I was too busy and forgot to read, they were like butter, just smooth. Then I would pick it back up and I would read another day and the day would just crumble. 
crumble. So you know what I did? I gave in. I've still never finished that. That's been probably 13, 14 years ago. I've never finished my utmost force highest. I've never finished it. I'm sure it's wonderful. I need those devotionals. It's trying to be honest with you. It was a spiritual discipline that I allowed the enemy to steal from my life because of the attacks that he was putting on my life. I've said this so many times, but don't you miss it, church. Don't miss this. If the devil's not fighting you, you're not worth fighting for. He's got you right where he wants you. If he's not fighting you, you're not worth fighting for. He doesn't have any beef with you because he's got you right where he wants you. I'm telling you, in the first week of this 21-day fast, the enemy's fighting me. And it has nothing to do with hunger pains. The enemy's fighting me. He's unleashed an attack on my life. I'm like, Paul, he says, therefore, I take pleasure in these hardships, persecutions, distresses. He goes on to say, for when I am weak, then I am strong. I'm crying more these days. And I've cried in the last five years. But when I'm weak, I'm strong. Spiritual disciplines are the routines that God uses. Now you want to think that because he had these spiritual disciplines operating in his life that God saved him before the lion's den. It didn't happen. It didn't work that way. Daniel was thrown into the lion's den and the Bible says that King Darius tossed and turned all night. He was troubled all night long for his friend Daniel that he tried to save but he couldn't go back on his decree. Couldn't go back on his word and so he, he, he just he had a sleepless night. Now, we don't know exactly what Daniel did in that lion's den. We know what God did. We know that he sent angels to minister to him and to shut the mouths of the lions. But we don't know exactly what happened um, with him. But we do know that he was secure enough in his faith that he was willing to go to the lion's den because of it. But would you use your imagination with me just for a moment? And you can't find this in your Bible, so don't, don't look. And, and certainly don't tweet anything I'm saying right now because this is not Bible. But this is what I think happened. I think they threw Daniel into that lion's den and he landed with a thud. When he did, I picture a few lions over here in the corner waking up. They know that sound. And then I see them beginning to walk across that floor prowling because they want to see what's for dinner. 
At the moment that Daniel makes eye contact with them, I picture him going, which way is Jerusalem from here? Wait, no, I don't, I don't. I picture him hitting his knees at that moment. There's no doubt in my mind that that man prayed in the lion's den. Even though the Bible doesn't necessarily say that he did, there's no doubt in my mind. Because there are certain trials and tribulations in life that a man that's never prayed a day in his life, that once it hits, he'll become a praying man at that moment. And so you're telling me that a man that prays every day, three times a day, when he's staring at hungry lions coming at him, you're telling me he's not going to pray? No, that man hit his knees and he began to pray. I see God dispatching angels at that moment into that lion's den, calming those lions and shutting and sealing their mouths. Our neighbors, Jared and Amber, sometimes they are out of town and they ask Mandy if she will go over and feed their cat. And so she'll walk next door and you know, feed their cat for them. And a number of weeks ago, Mandy was busy and she couldn't get over there. And I was at the house, so she called me and said, well, you go feed their cat. You have to understand, I hate cats. I hate cats. I'm sorry if you have a cat, but that's just a dumb animal. Yeah, I hate cats. And so I went over there, walked in, and, and sure enough, I, I walked into their laundry room where the, the cat and the bowl and the cat food and the water's there and it, it's empty it's it, there's nothing there and I start searching around for cat food I can't find the cat food I look all over the pantry I open the door to the garage I can't find the cat food and this big dumb cat comes into that room and he starts purring and brushing up against my legs like I'm his best friend I was like what are you doing I couldn't find the food fast enough to get this cat away from me let me tell you in, in, in Rocky's brain and in my world this is what I picture Daniel hits his knees he begins to pray God sends the angels they, 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 they just close the mouths of the lions and all of a sudden these big lions become these, these purring kittens as they just surround him and begin to brush up against him and you can hear them purring the next morning King Darius wakes up. Can't get there fast enough after a long, long night worried about his friend. But there's something interesting there to me is because King Darius calls out to Daniel. There's a little bit of hope in this man. You see, that's what will happen if you have spiritual discipline in your life and you're able to withstand the trials that the enemy throws at you. It will affect other people that don't believe and King Darius gets there to the lion's den and he calls out, Daniel! And Daniel answers him. He says, oh king, oh king, I'm alive. My God sent angels down and they closed the mouths of the lions. Darius brings him up out of that den of lions. You can't pray with faith believing in the lion's den unless you've prayed with faith believing in your living room. It's one thing to pray. A man that never prays 
during a time of trial, he, he'll scream out, Oh, God, I can't do this. Help me, God. I can't do this. That's, there's a big difference between that prayer and a prayer of faith that says, God, I know you can do this. God, I need you at this moment. I believe that you can. There's a big difference between the two prayers. And you can't pray a prayer of faith in the lion's den unless you've already prayed a prayer of faith facing Jerusalem three times a day. And that's become the routine of your life because when the trial hits, first thing you're going to do is you're going to hit your knees. You're going to begin thanking and praising God and saying, God, I know that you can do this. This was evident in his three Hebrew friends in their lives also, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that then they were told, you're going to bow down to this statue of King Nebuchadnezzar. Everybody is. And when thousands of people bowed down, those three boys stood upright. And when they were questioned about it, they said, we know that our God can, but even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, we're not bowing down anyway, but we know that he, can't, that he can. He can save us. He can get us out of, of this, this fire. He can get us out of this furnace. Spiritual disciplines give you that kind of courage. They seem mundane at the moment. They seem useless at times. But then all of a sudden, the trial hits and you're ready and you're prepared because you've been doing this during the good times. And so you're ready for it during the bad times. And there's people in this room right now. You know, you know that the trial is coming. Oh, it's good right now. You feel good about your life, but you know as good as I do that you are right around the corner from the next trial that you're going to have to face. That's life. We have to go through it. Jesus told us we were going to have to go through things like this. Spiritual discipline in your life is going to get you prepared for that moment. You're not going to crumble. You're going to have the right posture. You're going to know exactly how to act, how to look when it hits. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. We would love to meet you in person. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org or call the church office at 352-472-3284. Thanks again for listening. Destiny Community Church, for life's journey.